Welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here. My name is Aaron. I'm, I'm one of the elders here. And we are entering into the series. Uh, we're going to look at the book of James. I'm excited to get into the book of James. What we typically do at Church Project is we pick a book, and we, it's called expository. We go verse by verse through that book, and, and we just kind of learn what God is telling us and what he's showing us in, in that book. Uh, but the last four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, we've actually gone into series. We did the Lord's Prayer, and then we did I See Him In, and we had different men come up and speak and just share their stories of where they've seen Christ. And so we've been out of a book study for a while, but today, if you have your Bible, open it up to, book, to the book of James. If you have one of the blue Bibles that are, that are on the floor or on the lamps next to you or you need a Bible, open it up, the book of James. If you flip, it's almost to the very end. You think, hey, we're almost done, like church is almost over. But on page 699, you'll find James. Like, there it is. And so we're going to go through that and we're going to have a great time looking at the book of James together. How was your Christmas? Did anyone eat breakfast this morning or, or are you feeling guilty from your Christmas and New Year's? Hey, I hope you had a great time. Last week, we were able to take the week off just as church project. We didn't meet. I don't know what you did. One of the things I get to do when we take off is visit like a thousand churches. And so I drove around Greeley and, and looked at the different churches and went to Don Orange's church, Fellowship Church. Anyone know where that's at? <clears throat> you should. Okay, it's just north of Lowe's. That's actually where our church started. We started meeting there on Saturday nights, and so I went there last Sunday morning, and Don Orange and their crew, it was just so cool to go there. And then I drove down and went to Evans and went to Mosaic Church. They have a brand new building that them and Journey have kind of gotten together to, to do stuff in, and went to Mosaic Church. Any of you ever been there? Angel Floor is just hilarious. He is awesome. Like that, it was so good to be there. And then I attempted to go to a church on Saturday night, but they were taking the week off too, so I came home. But it was so good to go and to see the body of Christ last weekend and to see that though we look like church project and we have this language and, and, and we come together and gather, God is doing his thing in churches all across Greeley, all across northern Colorado, and all across this world. Like this gospel message it's just, it doesn't stop here. It breaks all boundaries of time and space, and it's such a beautiful message. And as we enter into this book of James, uh, we're going to have some complexing things that we talk about, but it's going to be amazing as well. And so we're going to start out, and we're going to thrust through a big section today. Is that okay? James chapter 1, verse 1. If you have your Bible, follow along. <clears throat> it's what it says, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the uh, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion greetings. That's where we're going to stop. We're going to do verse one. You're like it's going to take forever to get through the book of James, isn't it? Yeah, we're doing one verse today. That's it. And it, 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 here it is: James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion greetings. As we look at the the book of James, it's it's so full of just practical. Christian living. If you've ever read the book of James, it's five chapters long. I've read it a, a dozen times or more in my life. And as you read it, it's, it's like practical Christian living. In fact, some scholars call it, it's the New Testament uh, 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 Proverbs. It's the Proverbs of the New Testament, right? Some call, uh, scholars call it that. And when you're reading it, it's kind of like, okay, this is practical advice, and I don't know if you've ever done this in your life, but you ever come across something and you're like, oh, that makes sense. You ever done that in your life? Where you're like, 
Oh, okay. All right, so here, here's one thing, and I know I'm, I'm too old to admit that I didn't know that pipe cleaners were not just for arts and crafts. <laughs> what are pipe cleaners for? Cleaning a pipe. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, there's one small example. Or how about this? And how many of you have scars to prove this? <clears throat> I kind of do on my thumb. You, 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 and, and this was maybe, I was in third or fourth grade, and, and I don't know, maybe you've done it recently, or if not, don't do it. I'm going to save you a lot of pain. But cigarette lighters in the car, okay? <clears throat> Did anyone ever, anyone ever push that in, and it pops out, and you look at it, and you're like, hot, red, bad, don't touch. But then it turned to white really quick, doesn't it? Anyone ever, you know where I'm going, right? So red, I'm like, okay, this is smart, don't touch, white, it must be okay. <laughs> Don't touch the white cigarette lighter. It's not good, okay? Practical advice. If you didn't know those two things, pipe cleaners, they clean pipes, cigarette lighter, okay. But the book of, of James, this is what it's full of. It's full of just practical advice for Christian living. In fact, let's do a little bit of data on James because I kind of like the data stuff, okay? So here we go. James, this book, contains 59 imperative forms of verbs, imperative forms, and if, if you are into that, of 59 imperative forms of verbs in only 108 verses. So 59 of 108 are imperative verbs in which they are not merely suggestions. Imperative verbs are not just suggestions or just merely good ideas, but are requirements for Christ-like living. So as we read through the book of James, we come across these 59 imperative verbs that are not just merely suggestions. They are requirements. How to live life as Christ has asked us to live. And in all this doing that we're going to come across in the book of James, it is subservient to the main thrust that I feel James and God put in this book. The doing stuff is just subservient to the main thrust. The main thrust that we are going to encounter in James is to reveal to us who God is. That's the overarching theme of the whole book of James, is to reveal to us who God is. His might, His glory, His power. God Almighty is immense And he is governing everything that we know. All the planets in rotation, all the ebbs and flows of the waves, all the microcells that are in us, and in in all of this, God is governing it all. He is glorious above everything. And yet we look in the book of James, he's going to whisper to your ears and to your heart that he is immediately and intimately interested in you. He's saying, I govern everything. I'm glorious above all, the theme of James. And yet he gives us practical advice on how to live more like him, how to reflect his glory in our life. Did you know that this Bible that we, <clears throat> that we hold right here, you have your Bible? I hope you, ha- I hope you have your Bible. That, w- that wasn't in my notes. But I-, I hope you're bringing your Bible. Or yes, you can even have it on, on one of these smartphones. If, if you have one of these smartphones, <clears throat> Who texts me? Chad Harding, did you just text me? You're trying to get me off topic? What? Come on. You can, you can download free versions of the Bible. You version is a good version that you can put on here and read and, and, and do studies and stuff. But did you know that this Bible is not about us? 
I mean, it's not. This whole Bible is about God. It's God revealing his glory to us. It's not, when we read this, it's not like, how many of you said, okay, this year I'm going to read the Bible all the way through this year. You don't have to raise your hand. Or how many of you made, <laughs> how many of you made commitments? You're like, I, man, gosh darn it. I'm going to be, I'm going to have the best devotions of my life. I'm going to, I'm going to have 2016. I'm going to spend a lot of time in this. I'm going to study it. How many of you have made that or thought that? Like, I'm prodded to do, do these things as well, but do you know that the goal is not getting through the Bible? And, and I, I heard this multiple times, so you're going to hear it a lot, okay? The goal is not getting through the Bible, but the Bible getting through you. And you think on that for a little bit. I don't know how many times that I've embarked on this not like glorious plan. I'm going to read through this thing, or I'm going to do whatever. And I look at my plan today, I'm like, oh, good night. <clears throat> I have to read four chapters of New Testament, four chapters of Old Testament, some Psalms, some Proverbs. I'm getting overwhelmed here, people. And so all of a sudden it becomes this checklist thing where I'm just trying to get this checklist thing done so I can say I I got through the Bible, but the goal of the Bible is to not get through it, but let the Bible get through us. We're going to look at uh, the book of James, and we're going to look at what God is doing in here and what he's showing and what the goal is. But as I think this year... You know, it's, it's January whatever it is. I don't know how many days we're into this year already. January 3rd. Thank you for that text, Chad. January 3rd. <clears throat> and, and I'm already saying, okay, God, how do you want me to spend my life? And what would you like of me? And what are you asking of me this year? And already at the beginning of this year, Psalms 5110 is something that I'm praying over my life. And, I'm, and, and maybe you'll begin to pray over your life. And it's this. Created me a clean heart. Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within me. And the prayer is, God, create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within me. And the only way that this is going to happen is if we're spending time in God's word. And we're saying, God, I don't want to just merely get through this. I don't merely just want to hear this taught. I don't merely just want to do that. I want this to get in me. I want this to affect my heart. I want this to affect my mind. And it's not about the quantity of how much we're reading it, but it's about what we're reading and letting it affect us. And so I pray, God, please create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Because if I'm not soaking in who God is and in his word, I slowly become about Aaron Havens. I slowly become about what I've grown up knowing and doing, and I slowly get off-center, and life becomes about me. So my prayer is, God, please create a, a new heart in me. Let me focus in on who you are. Let me find your heartbeat, and may that be my heartbeat, God. One of the things that I really want to focus on this year is not just reading the Bible, not, not, not just picking it up and going through a reading plan, though that, that's not bad, that, that can be very good. There's a thousand ways to read the Bible. But one way that God is telling me to read the Bible right now, and I don't know how long this is going to happen, and I've challenged a couple guys in this room and, and one of my friends to do this as well, is I, I, I'm tired of just thrusting through massive amounts of quantities of Scripture, and I'm going to do that in all my studies and preparing for messages. But in my own quiet time, when I'm sitting quietly, you know what I want to do this year? And for a first while, part of this year, I want to reflect on Psalms 23 and nothing else. I want to sit with Psalms 23 and just just let it come into me. Renew me as I focus on who Christ is. I don't know. Maybe I'll be on this for a week. Maybe I'll be on this for a month. Or maybe I'll be on this 
like Don Orange challenged us last week at Fellowship Church, he was on Psalms 23 for five months. That's all he read. And he let it penetrate his heart and penetrate his mind. Can I read Psalms 23 to you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, shoot, you could stop right there and think on that for a while, couldn't you? Shoot, I said shoot. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Oh yeah, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's beautiful, isn't it? The prayer is that we're not merely getting through the Bible in our own times, and even on Sunday mornings, we're not merely just getting through James, but we're letting the Bible and God's Word just soak and change us and renew our spirits. Because I can't think like Aaron Havens. That's bad thought. I need to think like Christ and who He is and reflect His glory in my life. Amen, church? We were, recla- we were created to reflect His image. And daily, I'm, I am made to be more and more like Him as He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. See, all of this life is so we will reflect God for His name's sake, for His glory, that our lives wouldn't just merely be about us and our accomplishments, but people will look at us. They will look at our words. They will look at our actions, the way that we live, and they will say, something is greater about that individual. They don't live for the temporal. They live for the eternal. They speak in words of hope and joy and words that are foreign to those that don't know Christ. And why and how? All because of God and for His glory. That's what our life is to be lived for. That should be the aim of our life. Too often, we look at the Bible. I don't know how you have done this, if you've grown up in church or, or what you think about this, but too oftentimes, we look at the Bible... And we see it as a bunch of do's and don'ts. Like there's a, bunch, there's a bunch of laws. Thou shalt and thou shalt not, right? The commandments. The Bible, and, and, and well, I'll say this about the commandments. The commandments in the Bible are there to reveal to us something that will bring us more joy. That's, that's why these commandments are in the Bible. It'll bring us more joy while reflecting His glory. The do's that we find in the Bible, the commands are an encouragement to us. Do this. Live this way. Act this way. Speak this way. Think this way. It's an encouragement. It's like the coach almost kicking us in the butt, saying, you got this. This is the right way to shoot a free throw. Like It's the do's. And the, and the Bible is full of do's. 
that says live like this. James is full of these do's. And the don'ts that we find in the Bible, the, the thou shall nots that we find in the Bible, they're not there to rip us off. They're, they're not there to kick us or, and to rob us of something. The don'ts in the Bible are there to nudge us to the best way of living as we reflect God's glory. And so it's like the loving parent. Though I'm, I'm 41 now, yes, December I turned 41, that's awesome. I'm 41, and sorry Zoe and Adra, they are 14 and 16. I know a little bit more than they do in some things, right? And if you're a parent, you know this, you know this about your kid, you know this. That you've lived some, some life, you've experienced some stuff, and so when you correct or when you do the do's or the don'ts, it's not because you are just going to be a ruler that just says, no, don't, because I said so, even though sometimes you have to say that as parents, right? Oh, I said so. I said so, Zoe. <laughs> we do that because, we, because we're nudging and we're saying, listen, listen, dear child, as God is doing in James, as James is doing, he's saying, listen, dear child, Don't go that way. I want to nudge you towards a better way of living because that way is going to go to death. And so the do's and the don'ts, the thou shalls and the thou shall nots that we encounter in his glorious word is not there as God just saying, uh, 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 but it's God nudging us in the right way to live so that we'll reflect his glory. So I look at James and I get excited to get into this book. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Let's look at James. James has two things. It shows us the glory and might of God. That's the primary thing that James does. And it also secondarily shows us that this is the way to live. This is the way to have a good life. This is the way to have peace and meaning. And this is the way to obey as a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's let's get into the overview of James for a minute, okay? James, who do you think wrote it? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got really nervous there. That was like a gimme on the test, right? Okay, so the author is James. He's also known as James the Just, and later he was nicknamed Camel Knees. Camel Knees. Hey, Camel Knees. <laughs> what kind of nickname is that? He was nicknamed Camel Knees, but he was given it because of a great reason. He was given the nickname Camel Knees because he was constantly praying on his knees. Wow, you know, I mean, what a cool nickname to have, you know? James, the, the author of this book, is the half-brother of Jesus Christ himself. He's the half-brother. And James did not think, actually, that Jesus was deity. James didn't think that Jesus was the Son of God while Jesus was alive. I mean, think about it. If you have a brother or sister and they come up and they're like, I am God. Are you going to believe him? Like, come on. Like, Really? <laughs> Like, what it really took for James to believe that Jesus was actually the Son of God was that Jesus died on a cross, was dead. For three days, dead, done. And then the resurrection. And James suddenly went, okay, yeah, yeah, I believe. Like, I, I, like, I see that. You're the Son of God. And so James goes through his whole life seeing his, his half-brother saying, I don't, I, you know, I don't get it. In fact, partway through Jesus' life, you'll see a teaching where a bunch of Jesus' half-brothers and sisters and mother come and try to institutionalize them, saying, you're a little crazy for claiming to be deity. They're not believing, right? And what does Jesus say? He says, get away from me. Get away from me. So even in James' life, it takes Jesus living, dying on a cross, resurrection to James go, yes, that is the Son of God. 
And James, as he starts, it's funny how he goes from not believing to suddenly believing. And he says in James 1.1, I am a servant of God of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a change, right? I am a servant of the Lord God of high, of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at the book of James, historical evidence and biblical studies show that James was martyred in Jerusalem. After writing this book, James was martyred in Jerusalem. He went, he went from not believing to saying, I'm a servant, to writing and being one of the most active parts of the early church, to writing this book. And, and you see later on in church history, he was martyred in Jerusalem by the people taking him to the top of the temple and throwing him off the temple. And even as James was getting thrown off the temple saying, I believe in this and and this is the hope and this is life and Jesus is the Son of God. Even as he's getting thrown off the temple, what is he doing? He's praying for the mob of people that are throwing him off. He lands on the ground and and he's not dead. And yes, this this is getting rated R right now. So he's on the ground. He's not dead. And so they take stones and they start stoning him. They take a stick and bash in his head. And this is how James dies. A martyr for this thing, for this book, for this cause, for this man. And he's saying, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of James is the earliest New Testament manuscript that's known. It was written in the 40s, like not 19s, not 18s, like literally the 40s, years after Jesus was dead and rose from the dead. The earliest New Testament manuscript known. This book is written sometimes, if you want to parallel it and read the the story of Acts and the early church and what's going on in the early church. So, If you'll read through Acts, you get to about chapter 7, and you see the stoning of Stephen. This is sometime after then, in Acts 7, is when James was written. Because James, in the very beginning, he says, who am I writing to? He says, James, a servant of the God of Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes that are in the dispersion, or scattered amongst. And he says, greetings. The church is dispersed. After Stephen is stoned and persecution breaks out against the church in massive, massive ways. The 12 tribes in the dispersion that you read about in Acts chapter 7, like right in there, leading up to there. So far in, in, in Jerusalem, the, the Bible tells us that there's 3,000 men that came to know Christ. Then there's 5,000 men that came to know Christ all within a, a short amount of time. So that's just men. Don't think even, or think even of women and children and everyone else. So I think a conservative number at this time is about 20,000 Christians in Jerusalem at this time. The word of God is starting to go out. People are starting to be converted. They're starting to believe in Jesus Christ. And persecution breaks out against King Saul. He says, enough of this. Stephen is stoned and the church is dispersed and no longer are there 20,000 people living as the New Testament church and having everything in common and sharing and loving and, and adding to their numbers daily. But the church that was centralized is now sent out in the dispersion, the dysphoria. They go out into the countries. They, they start going because persecution is so big after Stephen is stoned to death. The church fled and was dispersed. James, when we read this book, 
he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. The 12 tribes that are out there that have had to go because of persecution. And when you read this, he says he's writing to the 12 tribes. That just doesn't mean Christian Jews, these, these 12 tribes. It doesn't mean just the Christian Jews. As we read about in, in Old Testament, we see Israel and we, we think of the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and that is true of the Old Testament. But as James is writing this, he's writing to say all that have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Not, not just the, the ethnic Jews that are known as Israel, rather all that are in Christ. And so James is writing to the true church of God that is dispersed throughout the world. Let's fast forward to today. Is this word relevant to us today? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Welcome aboard to the dispersia. Welcome aboard to the scattering. Welcome to aboard to what God started as just one man born in flesh, Jesus Christ, all deity, as he dies on the cross and he is risen from the dead. And as this number began to grow and began to grow from just one to 12 to a few, less than 100, to now 5,000 to 20,000, and then persecution breaks out and the church goes boom. And from that point forward, we can trace our lineage back and go James is writing to us as we are in the dispersion. This is beautiful. These words that are written here are encouraged, uh, are, are meant to be encouragement to persecuted Christians as we live lives dependent on God. Let me ask you this. As you live your life, are you dependent on God? And have you ever been persecuted for saying, I'm a Christian? Have you ever been persecuted for having beliefs that are grounded in his word right here, but just don't go with the popular whatever that's around us? Have you ever been persecuted of that? Have you ever been called a hypocrite? Have you ever been called closed-minded? Have you ever been called, we can just go down the road, right? Have you ever experienced persecution because you have deeply had conviction about his word and you've said, God, let this take root and created me a new heart, God, and I will live my life to reflect your glory and then the world around us begins to persecute you? Have you ever experienced that? We will more and more, church. We will more and more. And as James is writing, he's writing to us intimately. He's saying, God Almighty, the immense God of everything that you know, created everything, yet he loves you so much that he's going to give you this advice on how to live. Why? So we will reflect his glory. What do you think of the book of James? Are you excited for it? My prayer is that you don't just read through it. And we don't just teach through it. But you go and you sit with this. I mean, you, you pick it up. Begin to memorize it. Begin to let it soak in to who you are. And make your prayer be, as you, as you leave here even today, and you begin to read it possibly, let your prayer be, God, let me see your glory through this. And let, 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 let it affect my life to the degree of the do's and don'ts that, that, God, you're nudging me to live more like you every single day. It's going to be a convicting book. I thought about reading it, reading, reading the whole thing, but it would take like 16 minutes. And I know, Broncos are playing, so we're not doing that, okay? But it is a good thing to do. Maybe today you can take it and just read the whole thing through. 
or just a chapter at a time. There's only five chapters. It doesn't take long. But as you're praying, make the, or as you're reading this, make this your prayer. God, show me how great you are. And show me, convict me, nudge me, encourage me to align my life with you. There's no one in this room that's going to be able to read through the book of James and not go, oh, I, need to, I probably should change something up. Second Corinthians three seventeen through eighteen. If you have your Bible, open that up. Sorry, I don't have a page number. We could do a, a Bible drill real quick. I don't. I didn't look that up. Second Corinthians three, chapter seven, or, or chapter three, verse seventeen through eighteen. If you don't have your Bible, just just listen to these beautiful words. Second Corinthians three seventeen through eighteen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God, please renew a right spirit in me. Let your word just not, me not nearly just get through your word, but may your word get through me. May it not be about the quantity I'm reading, but may it be about you aligning my life to reflect you so that the world at large would see your glory. Church, this is going to be exciting as we begin to dive into the book of James. And I don't know what God is showing you right now and and what he's teaching you right now, but I want to give us a couple moments just to reflect on this. And so if you're comfortable with it, if you would, just close your eyes, close your Bibles. quietly to yourself. What is God showing you in this place? Maybe just talk to God and say, God, what is it you're revealing to me right now? Would you please speak to me? Would you let your spirit begin to just hover over me and change me and and change me to be more like a man, woman, child like you? And I believe in the power of the Spirit so much that even in this place, though we went through all the words that I went through this morning, I I believe the Spirit can, can and wants to show you something right now, personally, handcrafted just for you in this place. Will you receive that word? Will you let God show you how beautiful he is? Or would you let him massage your heart and mind? Would you you let him begin to change you and align you to be more like himself? And so quietly, just yourself, just say, God, here I am. You got my attention. Would you show me how glorious you are and who I am in you?
some of us this morning as, as we've been spending time together opening scripture and trusting that the spirit would teach us something this morning the spirit may have been convicting us or putting something on our heart ways maybe that, that we need to change or align our lives to be more like him maybe possibly this last year life has become more about us than about the glory of God and if that's the case, which it has been for Aaron Havens this last week, would you just hold out your hands and just cry out to God and say, God, I'm so sorry for the shift becoming more about me than about you. It's so difficult in this temporal world to always have an eternal mindset. And God, I, I ask forgiveness for making life about me, my actions, my comfort my morality, my whatever it may be. God, may my life be about you. God, you didn't die just so we'd be better people. In your death and in our life, God, may our life reflect your glory. God, I pray that as a church, as we begin the embarking on this study of James, even today, and as we move forward and look into the future, that your spirit would guide us, teach us, love us, rebuke us, encourage us. That we begin to align our lives to be more like you. That as we go to our workspaces and places and we go to school and wherever we go this next week, that we would lift our eyes up, that we would lift our eyes up and lock eyes with the world and that they would begin to see you in us, God. And for those places that, that we struggle with personally, each and every one of us, the addictions, the thoughts, the habits, the things that, that don't align with you, even the doubts that we have about you, God, would you begin to fill those places? We long to be a people filled with hope, love, joy, and purpose as we reflect your glory, God. So I don't know, church, where you sit today in relationship with God. But my prayer is this. If you've never surrendered control of your life, full control of your life uh, to God, that in this place you would just cry out to him. You would say, God, today is the day that I stop living for me and I start looking at the, the eternal things and I start looking and locking eyes with you. God, would you please use my life to reflect your, you reflect your glory? Because apart from you, we are all broken hopeless, in despair, and without hope. But you come in and fill us. May we live passionate lives, life to the full, as we point others to you.